thank you very much uh, for everybody who has joined in and we'd like to thank everybody who has uh, viewed the previous episode the very first one the the numbers we saw they are very encouraging and we you know we, we would uh, you know would like to keep doing it more and more because is this is this is about engagements um mostly of young people about issues that affect them directly and you know this is more conversational this is not your traditional news platform it's about uh, it's about us you know engaging from you know peer to peer uh, so let's keep it going man uh, this is the current view, review i am with Lebona um, today we'll be joined by a number of very important guests on the show um, you know and uh, anybody else can also participate by submitting their comments in the comment section of the if you're watching it on facebook you can submit comments on face on, on on the on the comment section there if you're watching on youtube you can also submit your comments there and uh, if you see them we'll uh, you know definitely respond or you know have a follow-up chat around what you have got to say uh lebona uh good morning uh my brother and good morning to our viewers uh like you said today we are having a special guest whereby we are going to discuss uh, various issues uh, that are affecting young people in the province, in particular the high unemployment rate that uh, we are currently facing in the Free State province. Because we've noticed that previously the province has been crippling with a persistently high unemployment rate, and the province, as a result, has faced significant challenges uh, creating sufficient uh you know employment opportunities for its residents so today we are going to discuss that and how as the progressive young people uh, uh their views actually we are going to 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 have their views and they are going to tell us how do they think uh free state as a province can defeat its high unemployment rate that uh is currently facing Certainly, certainly. And, um, you know, just getting it from the context, yeah, um, uh, you know, we have, uh, I think, in the regions of the 40s, you know, up to 40, 46% unemployment uh, rate uh, only for young people. That, for me, sort of spells, a, you know, a, 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 a catastrophe. Um, oh. And perhaps maybe an opportunity to resolve the situation before it spoils into a catastrophe. Because as soon as you realize that there is a ticking time bomb, you have an opportunity to correct before it explodes. So perhaps what we will do now is to is to is to engage on what we think are the causes, you know, uh, for for this high unemployment rate. Uh, in our midst, we have Uput uh, Piwe Piwe Mate. We've also got. Uh, Oscarabo Kakatu. Uh, Kakao. 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 Uh, my apologies uh, for the for the you know butchering your surname like that. Uh, uh, honorable. Um and you know, we'd just like to hear your views. Um uh, and not and not because this is not necessarily a, an electioneering platform, because we understand that you you both come from different political parties, the ANC as well as the DA. And this is not necessarily an election electioneering platform where you are going to be canvassing for for you know for votes for your political party in the next uh, national and provincial uh, elections, but just to hear your original perspectives around 
what are the causes of unemployment and how we can tackle them. Uh, maybe before we go ahead, we can just uh, have you greeting our our viewers. Oscarabo. Everybody that's viewing at home, um, I hope you, you butchering my surname is an indication of the kind of butchering we'll be doing to the employment stats once we're in government at the DA. It's difficult to have a conversation around how to tackle unemployment without discussing how we are the tangible solution to that. But yes, my name is Karabo Khakhao Abdutamsang. And and yes, so hi to you, hi to everybody that's viewing, and I look forward to our discussion. No, thanks, thanks, Pratami. Let me also greet the, the, the hosts, yourself and Atelobona, as well as our viewers at home, and the Honorable Khakhao, who also happens to be my home girl, Come from the same hometown. I trust that as well, and Cape Town is treating her well. And uh, thank you for 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 the conversation. I mean, I followed the last discussion that you had. It was quite interesting, and uh, look forward to contributing to more of your work as well. Thank you. And it, it sounds like uh, you know, Karabo. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be, be, be using the, the the prefix a lot. You know, Karabo put P. Well, you'll forgive us because we are peers now. Um, at this level, <laughs> um, it sounds like you are, you're quite ready to correct a lot of uh, you know mis misconceptions we have, uh, mm -hmm. beginning with your surname Kakao. My apologies, I, I got it absolutely incorrectly, Kakao <laughs> and Kakatu. I, I apologize a hundred times and more. Um, so please give us what, what you think are the official statistics for unemployment in the free state. Should I should I start? Are you bringing that to me? You yes. Yeah. Okay. So number one, communication around this has been pretty foggy on where we stand. Even the provincial treasury itself seems to be trying to hide the truth around how many people actually in the free state are unemployed. But the communication that is available right now is as such. One, between quarter one and quarter two of 2023, the Free State lost 59,000 jobs. And this is in comparison to the Western Cape having gained 54,000 jobs. So I'm going somewhere with this. In the last quarter of 2022, there were 169,000 jobs that were created in the whole of South Africa. But even with that creation, the, the Free State lost 3,000 jobs. So the whole of South Africa was able to create only 1,069,000 ,000 jobs in the last quarter of 2022, while the free state decreased the number of people that are able to put food on the table by 3,000 human beings altogether, or while the rest of the of the jobs that were created in South Africa were 1,669,000 of them were created in the Western Cape. So that's where we, we stand right now with what we know about the free state. And you mentioned earlier on that this is a catastrophe, given that, you know, we are well just close to... Close percent of youth unemployment in the free state. And this is alarming because majority of the free state population is young. 
the free state population is a youthful population. So it cannot be that with such a youthful population, yeah, 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 so, so such a youthful population, we find ourselves resting with the percentages of unemployment that we have in the province. The signals that that more people are unable to put food on the table, more people are battling to survive. And, and this is a problem. So we can go deeper into the reasons behind why this is the case. And the reasons why we find ourselves in where we are is because one, number one, it is no secret that the there is no way there could be any employment uh, or jobs that could be created within an economy or within an environment that does not foster job creation. One, it is not the job of government to create jobs. The, cre the government's responsibility is to foster an environment that is healthy enough or conducive enough for, for job employment. So when municipalities are governed terribly, when the basic services are not are not there, where there's no water, where there's no electricity, where there are potholes everywhere, where networks of, of service delivery within a municipality are a problem, they, it's obviously going to be difficult for any business to invest. So for example, Kahara Harinke Mosala Tropozepedi, all nine of those of those towns are battling with water provision and this has been a case for years so you can never on any day have 24 7 with with water so without water businesses can't 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 exist altogether so any business that would want to invest in a rural economy including can't do so because of, of, of the lack of water supply. And this is also seen to be true as well because So these are basic things that deter businesses from choosing to invest in building businesses in a particular area. So the right. first thing- Maybe before you, you before you go yeah. in uh, so deep, you are, you're quite very passionate, definitely. And then- uh, I, I I think uh, you know uh, we just wanted those those introductory remarks and definitely there's a lot to talk about. Piwe, uh, we've noted what Ukarabo is saying. Uh, I just want you to maybe touch on what you think are the sectors which are suffering definitely with uh, you know the, the ability to you know to can be able to create jobs or achieving jobs. You know which which sectors of the economy do you think are most affected? Because I do not want us to 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 get to a point where we're discussing necessarily just the failure of government to create jobs, but you know what what other role um, stakeholders you know can play a role in uh, you know alleviating this uh, upcoming catastrophe we're talking about. Yeah, uh, thank you very much, uh, Paratami. Look, uh, firstly, let us, I just want to make the point that uh, in, in the case of, you know, the, the 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 question of unemployment, it's quite broad when you look at the economy as a whole. When we look at a province such as the Free State, we know that uh, there's quite a number of sectors that drive employment in the province. The key sector, number one, would be that of agriculture, which remains the mainstay of the provincial economy of the Free State. The, 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 the agriculture previously used to contribute to about 3.8% of the provincial economy and also accounted for about 19% of all employment opportunities. Uh, previously, this we've seen that it has been on a decline due to quite a number of factors owing to climatic changes, owing to the cyclical nature of the sector itself. Because as you know that in the agricultural sector, people do not get permanent jobs. The jobs are mainly seasonal. So you'd 
you'd find that in the first quarter and the second quarter, which would be normally the warmer seasons when there's farming activities, there's employment. And when we go into the last two quarters, there's obviously a decline to the cyclical nature of the sector on its own. But notably, this sector is quite strong and it's quite widespread. I mean, uh, municipalities such as the Mangaung Metro, Yonala in the, north, in the northern free state and Dithabe municipalities are the ones that normally add because of the high cross of agricultural produce and even in terms of the size that is going there. But let's zoom in closer to another sector that's very critical, and that is that of mining. We all know that the province is quite endowed with a lot of mineral resources, with the exception of Velkom, which is our hometown from Honorable Chachau and I. There's also other you know, mineral endowments that are found, like diamonds in the Mutaka area. And we know that this sector has also historically contributed quite significantly to the provincial economy of the province. And employment in that sector has also been consistently there. I mean, uh, just around about before pre-COVID stages, this sector employed over 30,000 people. But there was a decline in this because of other factors such as mining operations that are closing down due to the nature of the mining in South Africa, which is deep level mining that causes a lot of risks for business owners due to the safety measures that need to be implemented. So we need to also explore new ways on how we can be able to mine conducively, sustainably, and in a very safe manner. The third sector, I think, which is manufacturing, we all know that in the northern part of the free state, we all have a very strong petrochemical sector dominated by your Sasol. Uh, that has also contributed quite a lot in terms of you know, job growth as well. We've also seen decline in this sector due to quite a number of factors as well. Some of these companies deciding to downscale and close down. There's also been labor unrest, but also to slightly, to partially agree to some extent with Honorable Chachau, there's also the issue of the provision of the necessary infrastructure like bulk water services, the maintenance of road and so forth. So it's quite a combination um, of factors, both objective and subjective, that have led to, 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 to what we are seeing now. But I think that other sectors that are quite promising, that are also consistent, and unfortunately, we cannot overlook uh, the impact of COVID-19 pandemic, because we know that the tourism sector, which is one sector that has been resilient, quite resilient in terms of growth, I mean, we know that and um, the tourism sector, even when other sectors are registering decline, there's always growth in that sector, even if it's at 1%. And there's quite a sizable number of people that get employed there. And that is a space where we find a lot of young people participating because we've got the hospitality sector. We've also got restaurants here. You know, you would know that we've got a university of technology that prides itself in the course of hospitality management, which is the Central University of Technology, and also the TVET College as well, which is quite a key, you know, benchmark course in which they're offering that also has opportunities for young people beyond even the free state and beyond even South Africa into international sectors, as you would know. So, you know, as a result of quite a number of factors, despite what, what, what we all can see, uh, in relation to the provision of infrastructure, bulk water supply, and so forth. There's also the nature of all of these sectors that get affected. Now, what is in the main uh, very key in this regard for us to be able to look at how do we sustain uh, you know, employment in, in, in these kinds of sectors? How do we ensure that in the agricultural sector that we try to build some resilience when it comes to the cyclical nature of that particular sector? How do we ensure that we increase 
the participation of much more smaller business in the tourism sector? And how do we also improve in terms of our ability to host events that would attract tourists where, you know, the hospitality industry would also be able to benefit? And how do we position the free state uh, given its tourism potential? Because, I mean, we've got various uh, tourism sites here in the province. You know, I mean, the Kharip Dam has been recorded as one of the areas that have been visited the most in the previous financial year. How do we, you know, leverage on that from our own advertising and also the upkeep of those facilities as well in order for us to build much more sustainable, you know, uh, growth and also guaranteeing the jobs. The last one uh, that I want to touch on is that of infrastructure. Now, we know that infrastructure is quite a key enabler of growth. It is also an enabler of investment because if there's no infrastructure, you're not likely to find people that would want to come and invest, uh, for example. Now, if you are unable to come up with projects, infrastructure projects, not only in terms of in the built environment, but also in relation to water, to transport and telecommunications, which is an area that where I, I, I would like to differ with Honorable Kakao when she tried to limit the role of the state only to being an enabler of economic conditions for investment. But government also has a key role in driving development by, by also building infrastructure as well and the maintenance thereof as well. So our government really has tried to, you know, venture into that space. If you look at the amount that on infrastructure. But the question then would then be, uh, what kind of infrastructure are we looking at? There's various types of infrastructure. There's your social infrastructure that is there for the communities, but there's also, you know, infrastructure that is of commercial use that makes our local economies viable. For instance, like road infrastructure. You know, if we are, if we want to attract investors, or roads are quite critical in that regard because people have to travel. Goods have to move on these roads to and fro from their destination points to delivery points and also for supply for 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 for, for, for the supply chain delivery purposes. So I, I mean it's, I, I, it's, I, I, I hear you and I, I hear all of that, but the unemployment issue is quite an urgent uh, uh, it's, it's it's quite an urgent uh, issue that needs to be dealt with almost immediately. Uh, and Indeed. some of the things that you are, you know, you are talking about seem to be uh, while very important, but, they, you know, they've got a long term, um, uh, you know, perspective. Uh, it's not things that you can, you know, with immediate effect, say that you are going to be able to employ 100 young people who are currently standing in the corners, you know, in the street corners, you know, uh, driving to where I am today this morning. You know, I passed so many young people who are just chilling or just hanging, maybe chilling is a different way, just hanging for hope in the street corners, you know. Uh, these people need intervention immediately. What what sort of measures, like what opportunities do you think are there or that exist in the free state as a province, whether they're, you know, they're, they're brought about by the private sector or the government? You know, what, what immediate opportunities can young people, uh, you know, grab or that they can create for themselves while being assisted by the government and, you know, the private sector? And this question goes to you know to both of you. All right, thanks. I don't know. Should I start or? Yeah, maybe start. Maybe start. Yeah. yeah All right. Start. Oh, thanks. Look, uh, the 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 question is is quite a good question that you're asking because we do need short term interventions. But when we look at the short term interventions, we also need to look at the profile of our young people. There are those who are job seekers that are skilled. 
that you might find that they are skilled in engineering, some are skilled in various fields, you know. For us to be able to absorb some of those people, we would have to look at to, into sectors that are more, you know, labor-intensive sectors. There's sectors that are more service-orientated where young people would also get preference or experience in. But where I think we can absorb young people in the short term is definitely in the space of, 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 of the vocational space. That is your artisan training space. Uh, that is a space where we look at also people that can provide practical solutions. For example, let me bring this to your attention. There's a, you know, there's a new multi-billion rand gas project that is taking place in Virginia that is led by Renegen, which is also a potential catalyst for economic growth in the province. Now, for us to be able to absorb young people in the short term in that kind of a project, you know, if we were to say we're advertising tomorrow, we would need people that have expertise not only in terms of you know the, the the process of drilling and management of gas, but practical things. For example, in a mining operation, you do need people that are quite skilled in terms of uh, managing operations. You do need people that are skilled in HR management. You do need people that can offer security solutions. There's also value chains within the mining sector because apart from being able to offer all those things, there's also the delivery of PPEs that is necessary. And also, if you want to move to more specialized kind of things, we need people such as uh, people that are boiler makers, people that are able to work as artisans that will maintain those facilities. If the facilities need painting, if the facilities need to be set up and the regular maintenance projects and all those kinds. Of, so if you look at the broader uh, nexus of that kind of, a, of, of, of an operation that is now being rolled out in the province, the kind of skills that you would need are people that have artisanal skills. Now, when it comes to artisanal skills, there are those who are qualified that are already existing. And there are those who have been trained but do not necessarily hold formalized qualifications. Now, that is a gap in that particular sector that our government is beginning to look into because it has already been persistently been a case to say, if you are saying that young people are unemployed in South Africa, what is it that they can do? What skills can they offer? If there's unemployed graduates in South Africa, what are they graduated in or what certificates do they hold or what skills have they been trained in from their various institutions? So with projects such as those natures, we'll be able to look at specific sectoral needs. And that's where you can bring in the artisan uh, uh, you know, skills, which in the short term for me is quite a good economic driver. Because if you look at the bulk of our young people, many of them might have gone to university, but many of them do, still do not have access to university, owing to a number of factors. Others have never been to university, others have had to drop out due to, to finances and other manner of related matters. Others, for example... Uh, all right. You will not stop talking. <laughs> Unless you say, you know. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Artisan. You know, the one thing I love about Piwe is he can philosophize as much as he can. Beautiful. But his beautiful picture does not translate to the reality. The, the implementation rests within his deployment house, and they've been failing to do so. The truth is this, right? So, one, let's deal with the agricultural sector. And, and, and my issue here is I want us to have honest conversational, 
conversations. So as much as, yes, climate change has impacted the flow of um, agriculture in South Africa, the truth is in the free state, the main reason why agriculture is not performing optimally is one, you have poor support from government itself. DSTIA itself and the Department of Agriculture have long since failed to know how it is that they're supposed to develop this, um, this sector, how they're supposed to give support to farmers and how they're supposed to maintain um, whatever resource resource allocation that is necessary for that for that for that um, for that sector. So that's problem number one. Problem number two that we have is again a failure of government to ensure that the infrastructure that you're talking about that should be developed that should be maintained that is already there. It is done so in a correct manner. Year after year, when Abdi Tamsanga we pass budgets in this province, budgets that are available, millions of rands. Nobody ever sees the road networks between our farming communities are a problem. To date, farmers themselves are supposed to fill potholes themselves. They are supposed to use their money to make sure they're able to... to also, not isn't that also your role as MPs, you know, oversight oh, role to see that the budget pass... You know, but I'd this be... is why I'm able to tell you this because of my oversight role. My oversight role tells me that my analysis is this. And therefore, my oversight is only as limited. It can the, the outcomes of my oversight can only be as successful as the ANC's willingness and ability to give effect to, to the advisors that we're getting on the round on the ground. And they've been failing to do so. But as I was saying, Abdi Tamzang, currently farmers are having to use their own money to fill potholes that are impeding their ability to one, get the necessary produce from market to help themselves with their farms country, and afterwards also take the same produce back to market, right? The same farmers are having to use their own money to they have water available within their farms because government has failed to ensure that this works properly. So in between farmers' ability to, 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 to farm properly, to increase their output, but also to employ more people to work in their farms, they have to fill in the gap and the role of government, a government that is is incapable and that is that is failing that costs money to 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 to, to the farm, farming communities themselves currently and, we and also what, have what a problem of land that rests in wait you must be fair in your approach got the sentence and then no, you must treat all all animals must be equal what happens on the left they, must they, they're right certainly right. most equal right now yes <laughs> so <laughs> what i'm saying what i'm saying is this right we have land that currently is available state-owned land in the hands of the municipality in the hands of the province that is supposed to be released and given to young people who are interested in investing in agriculture so that is being withheld by the ANC government because some of the people that want access to actually that want access to this land are not card carrying members of the ANC or they're not cadres and therefore there's no councillor or no politician that's going to be able to reap to reap rewards so these are things that hamper and stagnate the ability of the sector itself to expand to not only be able to give more um products available for consumers but to create jobs which is what we need because of the stifling of political connections the second problem that we have to the mining sector that he spoke about in FTP is that we have a problem of lawlessness when it comes to our mining sectors Kahara itself the mining community mining community mazam Minerals that have 
been available and that could have been used or can still be used to form part of the formal economy are minerals that are being used by themselves, cages again, politically connected people that are working with illegal, illegal migrants and illegal job seekers, job contributors. Let's we can't even say they're job contributors because they're not even accounted for formally in the in the economy. So if the state did a job properly, and this is a national competence problem by ensuring, one, we have um, a police force that does its, its job and that is not corrupted, we wouldn't have a problem of these Zamazamas. Again, if the ANC knew to be selfless in their jobs and not tried to chow at every opportunity they had, we wouldn't have a problem. The problem is here's political plundering. And we've seen this even outside of Machabe where Pio and I come from. In the Yachas Fontaine itself, the tailing Demi Ele Ewe Zimbato itself, how it was captured by another ANC elite led by, by, by Ndadema Khashoggi and his cronies. That is the reason why people are unable to reap rewards properly within the, the sector. Now let's speak about the tourism sector again that he spoke about. The tourism sector, Yakahara Free State, is being plundered by red tape and state control. So our tourism industry in the free state is controlled by the government itself. You have Kharib Dam, you have Naval Hill, and you have Aldam, which are high destinations, high tourism destinations or attract uh, high tourism attraction spots that are currently being governed by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure that is unable to develop relevant, attractive, and useful infrastructure, but are also unable to maintain the existing infrastructure that they have. So that's why it is not attractive. Because everybody keeps asking the question, no, but these are not exciting. These are not attractive. And it is not, it does not speak to the fact state but it speaks to maintenance it speaks to a labor force that understands tourism and knows how to work it and that is a skilled workforce currently what we have unfortunately is a tourism sector that is governed by caters that do not know what their job is that are only occupying the jobs that they're occupying because they are connected to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who's a card carrying member of the ANC so going back to the solution here Abdi Tamsang yes. if ever we are going to 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 solve the problem because are not long term solutions these are solutions that can be implemented immediately. If you are going to get services right, getting the right people to do the right job, people that are fit for purpose, that's something that can be done now. There's nothing that is stopping the current government from implementing what we are already implementing in the Western Cape. And this is our ability to create jobs is seen by, is seen and not only our audit outcomes, but it is also seen in, in statistics essays own report to say, Currently, between quarter one and quarter two of this year alone, the free state lost 59,000 jobs. In the same country, the Western Cape was able to create 54,000 jobs. In the same country, this is post-COVID. How exciting is I think? What happened there is that the relationship between the Western Cape government and the private sector has worked well enough to produce the outcomes that we have. The three-state government instead it is choosing to not invest in the necessary infrastructure and relationships to create jobs. Instead, they 
are focusing on cater deployment. They're focusing on making on 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 plundering as much money as possible. And at the at, 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 at the at the at the receiving end of the poor results are young people, Bakahara Free State, who are hopeless, who are waiting for a government that will one day care about them, that will give them an opportunity to not only food put food on the table, but create something meaningful. You sound just like Piwe. You 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 also can't stop talking. <laughs> uh, but 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 I heard you. And uh, there's about five minutes uh, left before I think uh, uh, Piwe goes into a meeting. Uh, and I think I just want to give you uh, like you know two more opportunities uh, to give your concluding remarks around uh, what you know because you know what what what, what a lot what Karabo has said uh, sounds like a you know it sounds like despair hopelessness. Mm. And I think that is hopelessness, which is shared by a lot of us, by the way. Um, uh, but we need to give young people hope in the free state. What are we going to do? You know, uh, maybe we should carry this conversation another time. But definitely, you know, there, there is there, there is a lot that can be spoken about. Um, uh, maybe let's do it very soon. Uh, you know, that, that sort of conversation. So we, we we speak more to the to the solutions, and maybe maybe people will have an opportunity to also put a, you know an easy background. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so so that he is more represented because I think he looks, uh, you know, he, he looks alone. But let's give you like one more opportunity, uh, Piwe, um, to you know to to tell us, uh, you know, what 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 are your responses to what Karabo is saying, or what are you okay. proposing solutions to the despair that young people are feeling on the ground right now? No, thanks, Pratami. Let's 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 just quickly dispel a few of these arguments that uh, Honorable Khal brought forward here. Now, on the question of the Western Cape, uh, it is quite well known that the, the kind of statistics that they're reporting about are not really in sectors that are quite beneficial or economic driving sectors. If you look at if you look at the broader scope of the statistics that they are revealing there of the Western Cape, you will find that all that job growth is mainly concentrated in the urban metro. You know, South Africa is not only concentrated in metros, but we also have rural parts. Now, the Western Cape, if you look at the stats, if you break them down, in rural parts where there's a lot of, uh, where there's especially no activity in smaller municipalities, you'll find that the picture is completely different. What the DA is focusing is only in Cape Town, in the urban center in which they are governing in. If you, for example, just look in the township, just outside of the city center, you'll find that there's quite high levels of unemployment, unmanageable violence, and even the policing there that is quite awful and it's quite porous. The statistics that speak to this, for example, if you look at the townships that, if you look at the unemployment in the townships of Langa and Kayelicha, you'll find that it soars way above what the numbers that they're giving forth. And if we also look at this, the, the, the sectors in which they are claiming that there's been jobs that have been created, you'll find that most of those jobs are not really dedicated towards young South Africans. We know that they have a very strong hospitality sector where there's a lot of foreign nationals that are being employed as opposed to South Africans. And the reason why they're enabling this to happen is because they're complaining about the labor laws of South Africa that do not permit for the discrimination and exploitation of South Africans. Now, if you drill down strongly into what is being said about the Western Cape, you'll find that there's not really much that is that, that, that is happening. Now, let's move on to the next fallacy that she came up with. 
on the issue of Zamazamas. Now, when it comes to mining in South Africa, uh, Pratan, we all know that all mining companies have mining licenses that they are given. We have a problem, yes, of Zamazamas. And the problem has arisen precisely because the mining companies that are responsible that have those mining licenses are not playing their role or their responsibility in terms of ensuring that mining shafts that have been closed are secured and they are not susceptible to being exploited by individuals that do illegal mining activities. When mining houses aren't able to fulfill that obligation, they then throw that obligation onto the state as if the policing of the state is weak. Because when mining operations are continuing, mining houses are the ones that are supposed to employ security personnel that will protect and guard the property in which they're operating. It's part of the agreement the licenses and the obligations that are there. So part of the problem that we have when it comes to Zamazamas is that most of these mining shafts that have been closed down are not being guarded and are not secured. Now, the obligation of the state, I believe, in terms of the police service, we cannot be one to overburden the national police service because their role is community policing. Beyond community policing, they can't go and police uh, uh, privately owned mining you know, you know, shafts or mining companies that have an obligation to do that. So that is quite unfair. And in terms of the allegations that she's making that there are some ANC leaders that are in, in uh, that are colluding with Zamazamas, I think that is a very serious allegation that needs to be taken to where it should belong. And I've not seen the DA taking any action with regards to that. Nobody has opened the case alleging that so-and-so is colluding with illegal miners. So as long as we don't have tangible proof and that has not been there and there's no, no investigation that speaks to that, I think that we should not treat that as a point that should stand in this kind of discussion. Now let's get back into the issue of agriculture. And this is a very, very also precarious point. Number one, the agricultural sector, when you analyze the agricultural sector, the participation in that sector, largely, when you check it, it's still skewed in terms of in terms of participation, particularly that of black people, especially in the commercial agricultural sector. Now, our government has the obligation to transform the sector, and these are some of the terms on which our government approaches these 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 farm owners to say that farm owners. We notice that you're running an operation, but you, your operation is not really inclusive. It does not allow black people to be able to participate in that. It does not allow workers to be co-owners or hold shares in that particular company. Secondly, the treatment that they give to their workers as well. So our government cannot give grants unconditionally without considering some of those things, because our constitution enjoins our government to be able to create an environment that respects human rights, an environment in which workers who's, who are working in, in the factory floor are entitled to certain rights and are also paid according to a certain minimum wage. Now, when our government finds a situation where most of these owners of these farms are not in compliance with that, then therefore it withdraws the grant and does not give the kind of support that is required because these farm owners are not supporting the national transformation objectives of this particular country. In terms of support for, for farmers, there's quite significant amount of support that has been offered for farmers by the Department of Agriculture, particularly here in the Free State. I would advise Honorable Khadao to also look into how much was spent to support farmers during the drought that had happened here in the Free State. Currently, there's a couple of farms that have been affected just here outside Brantford that were affected by a fire. Farmers lost livestock there. The Department of Agriculture has intervened and has made a commitment in that regard. So there's ample support for farmers. There's also, in addition, support for emerging 
young black farmers in the agro-processing space. If 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 Honorable Chakao was in the, was in the province in the June month, she would have observed and and had the report from Honorable Sakimukwe. Uh, 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 was tabling a report on the participation of young black farmers in the agricultural space. There's even donations that were made of tractors and seed implements to assist young black farmers to be able to work in that agricultural space. So I think that the problem in, in the main, if I can just take you into confidence with regards to this, is that our agricultural sector, it has a problem of the fact that participation of young people is low. And the participation right now and even the ownership within the commercial agricultural sector is white dominated. And if you look at the profile or, or the ages of those white owned farmers, you find that majority of them are aging. So we have a problem of where there's not enough young people that are getting into the space. And yet we've got the current people that are called in the commercial sector that are aging. So we are trying to redress that kind of a situation, but you cannot redress it without taking into account objectives of, of nation building and transformation of the sector. Because at the end of the day, we all know that the sector is really is, is, is white dominated and patterns of ownership are quite skewed. Now on infrastructure maintenance, let me just bring something to Honorable Chakao's attention because I noticed that uh, she's been out of the province quite a while and there have been certain developments that we just need to bring her up to speed with. Let's look at, for example, there's planned infrastructure investment uh to the tune of five billion rands that's going to come here into the free state now 58 percent of that budget which is 2.9 billion is going to go towards the building of human settlements that is what is known as rdp buildings apart from that the the rest of the amount that has been left there's planned infrastructure you, you, projects you that are coming let's, let's, financially let's, in Mangaung, just, 29 percent of there's 20% going to Tabom Futsanyana. There's 18% that's going to be going to Lejol Putsa. There's 11% that's going to Faisal Dadi. All of these infrastructure projects are there to support some of the plans that have been contained in the free state growth development strategy that was tabled by the newly like by the new uh, ex core of the of the province. Now, but as Piwe, I, I but Piwe, can you hear me? Yes. No, no, yes. I, I, want, I want you to continue, but I want you to to you know to, to take you back just to this thing about uh, the building of rdp houses uh, and its potential to create jobs for you know for, for you know for, for potentially young people and uh, i i do think those will be temporary jobs uh, given the the fact that you know when you start a project it's got it's got a timeline you know to be completed but mm -hmm. another important thing in terms of economic uh, uh, development and growth and opportunities for such what is this? Uh, you know, what 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 is what is the you know Department of Public Works going to do uh, about the fact that this 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 tender will be given to one contractor, one main contractor who will, who will do everything. Uh, you know, th like this big cake will not be shared amongst the many young business people in the free state or any other business people in the free state, but one 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 contractor will be appointed you know, to do the work. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, the department that I'm employed at, which is the Department of Public Works, does not have a mandate of building human settlements. There's a Department of Human Settlements that has that responsibility. And I believe that you had the interview with the MEC, and the MEC did provide an account with regards to that. So the, the department you're referring to, which is Public Works, does not have that mandate. However, 
I can elaborate on some of the interventions that the Department of Public Works is currently doing. The Department of Public Works has even a partnership with Muteo Tivet College, where there's a, an apprenticeship for young people that are bricklayers. Now, this is part of the artisanal programs that I spoke about that have the potential of absorbing young people in the, in, in, in the medium term. There's a total of about 100 young people that have been taken in for this financial year that are going to be beneficiaries of that program. Mind you, when these young people go for the experiential learning, they're also going to be receiving stipends through our CETAs, that are, which is the construction CETA and the services CETA. Now, these are some of the partnerships that uh, one particular department that is doing, which is the Department of Public Works, in driving and ensuring that it meets this obligation of ensuring that there's jobs that are labor intensive, but also require artisanal skills. But we cannot be able to absorb these young people into, project, in, into these kinds of jobs when there are no projects that are taking place. Hence, the need for an infrastructure investment. And this is what I was speaking to when I referred to the amount of money that has been invested in infrastructure projects to ensure that we are able to absorb young people. The point that you made about these jobs not being permanent jobs, it is true. However, the rationale here is that once you empower young people with artisanal skills, they are able to also go into other sectors or also develop their own businesses. As you would know, there's a need for bricklaying everywhere in this country. Everybody's building. There's a need for plumbers because the plumbing system of government buildings, of each and every building, even our household, is very much needed. There's a need for technicians that can operate air conditions. For example, there's a need for painters. There's a need for 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 people that are that, that 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 are boiler makers. So those are the artisanal skills that I was speaking about, where the focus is currently in terms of absorbing young people beyond the profile of young people that existed that hold formal qualifications that would want to be absorbed into government or in other services sectors. So in so far as that is concerned, I do not think that the picture that is being painted by Honorable Khakhao that of doom and gloom is a picture that we must all take as the gospel truth. It is unfortunate that as the, the Democratic Alliance is not playing its role in terms of its oversight uh, responsibility. I mean, she's she's a member of parliament. She has an oversight responsibility. She has the she has the privilege or she has the ability to take action against people whom she believes that are not really. Uh, no, no, taking instructions to correct certain things that are being done. I believe that in her oversight visits, she does make note of all of these things. But her obligation is also, as a member of parliament who's serving this country, who takes an oath, is to also hold those that have a responsibility to serve the nation to account and not to come and spin and, and play politics with regards to this and use it as an electioneering tool, whereas it's her obligation to assist the nation. It is really unfortunate that we have organizations that do not understand what is the role, their role as opposition parties when it comes to their relationship you with those that they got. You the unfortunate part is that there's a continuous cycle. No, Pew, this is why we're not progressing, because we have young people like yourself that are defending that are the defendless. Uh, Chair, can you, <laughs> can you intervene? <laughs> I think Honorable Krakow has been triggered here, but no, never mind. It's the is on it's triggered. I, 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 actually, I, actually, I actually want to to, you know, to give to 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 Honorable uh, Khao to respond to some of the things, but to help us, you know, move forward uh, yes. around 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 the, uh, you know, what is it that we can in, a, in our own corners elsewhere, you know, what we can talk to young people and say are opportunities that they can take up, you know. Um, yes. 
especially especially in the enterprise development sector you know where where, where they don't have to wait for government to give mm -hmm. them you know a tender or to give them a you know a, some 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 uh, his job you know what what is it that they can do for themselves in the meantime while we're waiting for these big interventions that the government and possibly maybe the private sector you know can you know you know can give us opportunities uh, before i do so also update some if people are gonna lie they at least must lie about not a matter of public record pure is a lazy liar because and the reason why i say this is because Part of the reason why we are not progressing in South Africa is because we have young people such as himself defending the defendless. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being honest to say, to say status quo is currently not serving young people. Because if status quo was serving young people, we wouldn't be having the conversation we are having now about the number of young people who are unemployed. Having no opportunity to put food on the table for themselves and their families. So the truth here is the first clarification that I need to do, because it would be a disservice for you to not afford me an opportunity opportunity to clarify contradictions when you're auditing. Number one, the, the chief beneficiaries of job creation in the Western Cape are Black and colored workforce. Young, Black, and colored in the Western Cape. Majority of the participants in the economy Kahara Cape Town come from Yolanga. They come from Yokuguletu. They come from, from all the other townships that, that exist within your Mitchell's Plain. So it's a lie completely to say, Hori, the jobs are created for white people when white people are not even the majority of the workforce within the, within the Western Cape and the city of Cape Town. So that's lie number one. So do your research better. Number two, when we speak of the rural economy that exists within the Western Cape, it is also a lie to say where the jobs are not created there because the most active and vibrant farm and, and agricultural sector, you find it in the Western Cape with our winelands. And the workers within our winelands are not your Jan Pirvirt, are your Garabo and your Piwe who work there, who are able to put food on the table. So perhaps the conversation you want to have is not that it's not that young, it's not that black people and colored people don't have jobs in the Western Cape or in South Africa. Perhaps the job, the conversation you want to have is who has the power to employ who that's the conversation so don't lie and skew it differently the second thing that we have that we need to have a, a conversation about here when I, um abuti is that so with the collaborations that are uh, the with that the the free state government is having with these development agencies that are creating jobs and contractors the fundamental problem here is and this is why this never really translates to to anything that is tangible and sustainable we have a lot of commitments that that this government has been doing for years they commit they commit they set up money it's available but the contractors that are given the responsibility to give effect to these com to these um commitments are incapable and the reason why these contractors are incapable is because they are chosen to give loopholes for plundering of state funds so they don't choose the best people to do the job they choose the best people to best siphon money out in forms of kickbacks 
to cater. And if that were to stop, if we were to have a merit-based appointment of contractors in the free state in terms of development of infrastructure, then we, there wouldn't be a need for us to constantly have to go back to fix problems like roads that were done two years ago that suddenly need maintenance again now because the quality of the products that were used there were of poor quality. But then again, I go back to how do young people then empower themselves? Number one, you said I can't election year and I can't campaign, but the truth is we need a change of government. That's number one, right? So we can't have status quo prevailing because the current lot of government is out of depth. They don't know what they're doing and the current statistics show themselves. And so you need a government that is that knows what it's doing, that gets the basics right, right? So how do you get the basics right? One, you ensure that there is basic a provision of basic services such as water and electricity. The current load shedding crisis is part of the reason why the economy is contracting at a, at a, at a rapid pace that we see right now. Hobani, in comparison to 2019 to 2023, load shedding in South Africa has increased by over 670%. Over 670% of increase your load sheddings from 2019 to 2024. So when we speak of solutions that are specific to the free state, we also excuse, can't also treat the, the free state as an island within um, within South Africa. So nationally, the problem is that you need to fix the load shedding problem. And we know that that does not come with Ndata who himself does not know where to start. You don't start by creating a new minister of electricity to solve the problem. You do so by dissolving ESCOM itself as an entity because it has shown that it does not work. We need independent power producers who are going to be able to feed back into the grid successfully, as we are seeing being done in the DA-led city of Cape Town, the best governed metro in South Africa that the ANC has failed to do, and in the Western Cape, the best governed province in South Africa that the ANC has failed to do here in the Free State. The other thing that we need to do is to cut red tape when Abdi Tamsango. The current red tape that exists within the private sector caused by the ANC government is part of why the, uh, the private <coughs> sector is able to expand itself and work as well as it can, right? We've shown that, we've seen that red tape stifles the ability of, 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 of businesses to operate properly. And the other thing that we need to do is to ensure that within our municipalities and within our government departments, that play a critical role at ensuring how we have the, 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 the kind of environment that we need where businesses can work to get jobs done, that we have a skilled and competent workforce that will ensure how we get the results we do. How do I know Horantweki Buang works? Because we have seen it work in the Western Cape. There's nothing that makes the Western Cape government more special than any other government in the free state. The kind of powers that exists within the provincial the provincial competency at the Western Cape is the same power that the free state government has. The same power that exists within the city of Cape Town is the same power that the Mangawu Metropolitan uh, Municipality has. But what differentiates the two is one, a fit for purpose labor force within these departments that knows what it's doing, an ability to use state funds correctly and vision and leadership that is not compromised by political plundering or political self-righteousness, but one that well, actually... Me, is, is, is the DA still governing in the, in the Midvale? And, and what, <laughs> what, what are the statistics Hello? there? Can, can we... Oh, and then the Midvale... The... 
the truth <laughs> if you know up to some time somewhere this is a very embarrassing question actually because you would know that the best governed municipality in the entire Gauteng province is the Midvale so mm -hmm. you have M Fuleni right next door to Midvale and then you have Midvale oh, here it, 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 it's a stark <laughs> difference and the Auditor General itself says the best governed municipality in Gauteng, the entire Gauteng, is Midval, right next door to Mfulen. And so that so it proves the point that I'm saying to you, it's not that there's anything special about DA governments. It's the political will to get things done and the respect for the South African people who voted for that government to sit in the, in the seats that they sit to actually make sure that the results of government are tangibly seen on the ground and are beneficial to the people who receive the outcomes of, these, of this government. Again, Giza Huena, how do we know this? How do we know this? We see it, it works. But most importantly, what young people need to do is this. In the free state, the free state has a, a think tank that is beautiful and amazing. Young people come up with beautiful solutions all the time to deliver us from this mess on how to create a tech space um, relevant to the fourth industrial revolution and how to modernize the agricultural sector, how to rebuild and revitalize our tourism sector and how to rebuild and revitalize our mining sector as well. So the solutions are already there and young people from the free state themselves are able to deliver them and say, well, this is what's supposed to happen. But they fall on deaf ears. And I know this because I do my oversight well, Piwe. Yes, I'm not oblivious to what is happening in the province. I myself am a resident. <laughs> <laughs> no. of this province. What differentiates um, cronies to put food on the, on the table. I don't have to defend the ANC's badness um, in order to, to advance my career, and which is part of the problem. So the only solution here is if there could be, if all of these solutions that young people have been bringing on the table were to land in the ears of the leadership and the hearts of the leadership in a correct in a correct manner, we would find ourselves out of this problem. One of those examples is partnerships with the academic institutions that we have right now. They so already with the exist. agricultural sector, they already exist. I've shown an example with partnerships. Hold on, the Karabim, You said I was triggered. You can't fall into my traps. Don't forget So the current after time standard, you can't oh, have But but of course I I I I I understand the you know uh, why why is reacting, but it doesn't have a it doesn't have, it shouldn't respond while you are speaking uh, because it definitely did speak about the partnerships between uh, you know between. Uh, the free state government and these uh, uh, institutions of higher learning. Thank you very much. I think, I think, I think we'll go, so we'll, we'll go until, until uh, 11.30. Is that okay with you guys? That is fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's all yeah. right. So, as I was um, saying, okay, go ahead. the partnerships. So I am not disputing that there are no partnership that exists. That is not what I'm disputing. What I am disputing is the kind of partnerships that exist and what they translate to. Because for years, the said departments and the government itself have committed to having these kind of um, partnerships with universities, but you never see where they result to, right? If we knew that these partnerships existed properly, the department, the academic department of agriculture, that unit within the University of the Free State alone, 
would have seen one a greater attraction of, of of students that want to study agriculture and we would have seen and absorb seeing all graduates of agriculture being easily absorbed into the sector in a way that grows the sector's um not only its ability to grow in terms of number of farms that are available but also in the number of employment that has been able to be created within the sector but also in the number of outputs of products that are being created in the sector right so these are the things that we should have been done targeted targeted um targeted uh, um, um recruitment as we see in the city of Cape Town that is currently being done uh, with the partnership that, that exists between the University of Cape Town and the city of Cape Town so what I am saying here is there's always more that can be done and in order for more to be done there has to be a political will to be there I can never sit here like P defend to say what is currently happening in the free state and the efforts that are currently done are enough because yes, they're not enough thank, thank you thank you uh, 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 is 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 more being done uh, what what you know what else can we do uh, because that that is my that is the important question for today what can yes. we do to get out of you know to get young people out of unemployment in the immediate. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pratami. Let, let, let's first address something. There's a lot of grandstanding that was done here. To be honest with hey, you, let, hey, but let, 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 back and forth, when you guys are taking yes, yes, no, I'm, I'm, get, I'm going to I'm going to get into it. Honestly, 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 the fifty-four thousand jobs. Let's be clear; these are seasonal jobs. We're not talking permanent jobs here. You mean we're in the, talking in about the in the Western Cape, this has been clarified quite a number of times. These are seasonal jobs. Number one, these are not jobs that are permanent. Number two, these are not jobs that are sustainable. These are only jobs that are there that create a temporary relief. These are jobs that well, are seasonal. The jobs that she speaks about in the agricultural sector, the workers, they ask her how much are those workers being paid? Are they being paid according to the minimum wage? Ask her about how those workers are being accommodated. Are there is there reasonable accommodation for those workers that work? Ask her about the conditions of workers in those farm areas. Thirdly, ask her about how many times in a year do those workers go out and work and how many times do they earn a salary? Like I said, the statistics of the Western Cape are nothing but false. They don't paint an accurate picture. The DA complains about the EPWP program of the state. The state never said EPWP program is a job. They call it a job opportunity, which is there for 12 to 18 months. They offer the same thing and they call that a job and they claim that they've created 54,000 jobs. It can't be. It's a farce. Now, she must also be honest about the kind of jobs that are being created in the tourism sector of the Western and who is being employed there. The story about young people in the townships of Langa, Kukuletu, and Kailicha being ravaged by unemployment and crime and gangsterism, that is not a hoax. If those 54,000 jobs came from there, well, they're definitely doing a very poor job at that. If you go and look at the tourism sector of the Western Cape, you go to restaurants, you go to guest houses, you'll find that a lot of the young people that are employed in that sector are young people that are are foreigners that are undocumented and they don't get protection from our labor rights regime. That is the kind of exploitation that is being permitted in the Western Cape right now. And that is what is being claimed as jobs that are being created. 
let's address this issue of investment. We all know that in the Western Cape, there's a, the, the, some of the most wealthiest individuals in South Africa reside in the Western Cape, and they happen to benefit out of all of that. Why is it that they are failing to ensure that those people have a greater social responsibility to also invest and assist other provinces towards achieving similar objectives? For example, how is it that we do not get the same uh, kind of support that the Western Cape enjoys in the free state, whereas the free state is also an ag agricultural sector producing uh, a province? The free state, by the way, in terms of agricultural produce, in certain produces like maize and crops, produces way more than the Western Cape, for example. But you don't find those people providing a solution because there's a political agenda that is linked to that. I will not get into the discussions or debate about monopoly capital existing in that space. I just want to illustrate by that. Now, let's get back to the point that you asked me. I just wanted to clear out those ones. Now, let's, let's discuss this. What is there for young people? Number one, the situation as it is for young people in the province is quite dire. Number two, in as much as the situation is dire, young people should know that their focus should be on attaining skills. And the kind of skills they must attain, they need to focus on particularly relevant institutions because it's pointless to skill young people whereas their skills are not going to be relevant for the job market. Now, the job market right now has a huge, huge demand for artisanal skills. I, I, I'm saying this in particular because this is the drive that you need to embark on. If we are going to push infrastructure projects, we need to have people that have practical skills such as bricklayers. We need to have practical skills of people that can operate our TLB machines, that can operate tipper trucks, that are able to be part of the entire value chain of the infrastructure or the built environment. Those are the skills we need to focus on. On top of that, there's also a sector that is quite busy on a daily basis. And this is also a sector that deals with issues of maintenance. As I alluded to you, each and every day in this country, or even in Brunfand, or even in wherever you are located, there is a somebody that has an office that has an air conditioner. When you look at the profile of all of these companies that repair air conditioners, you'll find that it's only five companies that are getting business. And when you check the profile and the ownership of those companies, it's largely white-owned companies. We don't have enough young people that can participate in that space. But for you to participate in that space as a young person, you need to acquire that skill of being able to, to, to operate an air conditioner, not only to operate it, but to also maintain it as well. So we need also to empower young people, not only with the skills to do the job, but to also empower them with business skills that enable them to be able to run and drive sustainable businesses. You can look at plumbers. You can look at quite a number. Sorry. Now, for me, that sounds like a, a very positive and very upbeat uh, closing remark because, like, I think we've just gone over the one hour uh, yeah. uh, 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 mark. But uh, th that that is quite impressive and. Uh, not just to 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 what you were just we were just saying now, uh, maybe in the in in the next session when when we meet again, um, because there there is quite an emphasis on artisanal skills uh, being being produced by you know by by colleges as well as uh, other institutes of higher learning. I think the next time let's let's look at the output in terms of numbers from these uh, institutions institutions of higher learning in terms of artisanal artisanal skills, and the the sort of absorption into the job market. Um, uh, in terms of uh, the people who have been, uh, you know, outputted by the by the colleges, um, 
you know, I, I think that will help to, to see whether or not, you know, we're driving, you know, these young people into these colleges to get these artisanal, artisanal skills. And at the end of the day, are they being absorbed into this? Um, Karabo, I want to give you one more minute before I before we close, because Pew, I think, has given his, uh, you know, his, his, his closing remarks. And uh, yeah, we'll say goodbye until we meet again in the in in, in the next session, which we must have for both of you. Karabo, <laughs> uh, thank you, Abtam Sanga. I want to reiterate. Don't, don't, don't do it for more than sixty seconds, please. Uh, well, you just go ahead. About five <laughs> seconds of my sixty seconds. So, so I want to say this, right? I think what we can all agree on on this platform and from everybody that's viewing wherever they're viewing is that yeah. the current situation is, is is problematic it cannot be that young people's dreams are being taken away from them because no young person wakes up excited to sit and idle at home and not have an opportunity to build something meaningful out of their lives right and so it rests upon every south african actually every free state to make sure that we contribute towards a life where young people are able to benefit um from from the economy in a way that is sustainable for all young people so this speaks to living in a free state where you don't have 59000 jobs lost between quarter 1 and quarter 2 alone when people are focusing on the western cape that has been able at least to give people an opportunity to put, put to put food on the table so i want to close by saying this it cannot be that as young people in the free state we ourselves become the goalkeepers our own success of our own success by defending defendless cadres that are currently unable to do their job leaders they're not fit for purpose they're incompetent they don't know what they're doing they are out of their depth and the proof is in the pudding it's in the status quo it's in those young people who have resorted to a life of crime just so they can be able to be able to at least all right so what's standing between us and our success as young people is singing to guitars of people that are not interested in solving our problems that are not interested in shaping a better tomorrow for ourselves but that are only that are only interested in plundering state funds and not using them well. So that's what I want to say. And it's unfortunate that this platform you've said does not afford me an opportunity to election year because politics is interested in young people just as much as just as much as young people should be interested in politics because your inability to put food on the table is political. Your inability to drive a BMW Kahara Free State as a young person when young people Kahara Langa living their best lives when they are able to go shop at a VNA waterfront but we will do that certainly very soon uh, it's political yeah. we will do that very, very soon but that's it. we are in that election year you know almost we are there so we will get those opportunities to you know to you know fully electioneering will give you those opportunities i see that you are hungry for it um but thank you very much honorable Hakao, uh, and that this has been very insightful and uh, very informative. Um, I think let's do it again very soon. If we can do it sometime uh, in the next week again, you know, uh, you know, because I, I think there is more that we can gain, uh, you know, uh, from these conversations as young people. Uh, because I think I, I've sensed a lot of information that, you know, you wanted to give, but we couldn't, uh, you know, allow you the space to give 
uh, you know, from, from both of you. Uh, so let's do it better next time. But thank you very much. We've been uh, quite informed uh, next time. This.